Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along for the ride today. Boy, you know, I just, you know, it's interesting. We have been doing the show. We're coming up on our 12th year next month. And um, uh, it's just, it's been such an incredible journey. And I'm grateful for everybody who calls in. But, you know, one of the things I get a chance to do from time to time, when we do a call-in segment on the program, either for people calling in and, sharing you know what their part is on us we got a couple of doozy topics coming up in the next couple of weeks that i can't wait to uh take our temperature on collectively uh whether it be uh what do you think of california's economy or a new one a new poll about the number of people who are choosing cremation over burial you know on the question about that in the church is you know which is more biblical you get right down to it but we had a call in a couple of days ago. I was just last night. I was flipping through the call reports, you know, because what will happen is I'll come out and I'll say, hey, we got a book or two or three or whatever. Everyone Wednesday, whatever it is. And then people call in and uh, Crystal does the bulk of the phone answering, but Joel does some too. And then I'll just get a name and a phone number and that's about it. Um, you know, it's interesting because sometimes, though, I will... Uh, I'll take a look at the reports and I don't get a chance to read all of the comments that go along with it when you call in. You know, some people are like, hey, here's my name, here's my email address, whatever it is, hope I win the book or the DVD or whatever it is, movie tickets. And then sometimes, you know, people get into why am I calling? And we've had some calls in recent days for some of the books that just, I mean, I'm my heart is breaking thinking of the struggles that a lot of people are going through right now. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, but the thing that I'm so grateful about is that we do have the opportunity here each and every weekday to be um, hopefully maybe a beacon of hope. I know so many more people, younger people especially, have taken the podcast route. They like to go to, you know, Spotify or one of those platforms that handles um, the uh, either video and or audio podcasting and they can listen on demand and hear what they want to do. And, And we're a bit of a dinosaur. I don't mind saying that. Uh, Crawford Broadcasting is committed to AM terrestrial radio with a side order of FM terrestrial radio. That just means, terrestrial means like I've got a couple of, uh, in my home offices, I've got a couple of radios. I've got an old Zenith and an old, uh, well, they're actually both old Zeniths now that I think about it. I'm not a collector. I picked them up at garage sales. They look cool. You know, they're kind of fun. And on my desk, it's nice to be reminded, uh, especially as I look at my Yeti microphone that I have on my home office studio desk. That's where we do the uh, National Crawford Roundtable podcast. I'll just let a little trade secret out. If you ever watched the My Hope Now video of NCR, and this week's edition is coming up in less than an hour, um, we record that every Wednesday morning at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. You know, So Duco's up and running at 10.30. His show's on from noon to 4 Eastern. So I do kind of feel bad for Bob. I think he's got it the worst because he's kind of our de facto moderator of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. He does it an hour before he goes on the air. And then as soon as he finishes up with us, he steps into another studio and does four hours of live radio. It's just, it's, the band's incredible. Uh, but when we do NCR, John Rush is at home and I'm at home. So uh, we're in our home studios. So I've got a green screen and I've got a GoPro camera and that's what you see. But what you don't see is my computer and a couple of uh, old school box radios. I mean, I just, I love the radio. I mean, that's, I've shared that before on my anniversary of my broadcast world. I mean, three years old, I remember getting my first uh, set of headphones on my ear and went, oh, this is incredible, you know, what you can hear um, with the headphones on. And then, and then when I was five or six, got my first transistor radio, and that was life-changing. I mean, for, if you still listen 
on a portable AM radio to bottom line show affiliates. I mean, we have some FM stations too, but the Bulker AM, that, I mean, that was revolutionary in the 50s and 60s, the idea that you could take something like a public radio or some publicly available radio station and carry it on a little box in your hand, or it could be you know, the tubes could pick up with a, a radio receiver and an antenna. You could pick up the, you know, the AM radio wherever you were driving. And the car manufacturers all put them in there because they were the hot ticket. And we've been launching this campaign that we're a part of with all other AM radio operators uh, about, uh, you know, AM radio is your friend in times of trouble. And, and we don't want to see AM radio go away. But I'm never, uh, I never forget the fact that when we are having these conversations here each and every day, it's you and me, and we're just having a conversation. And I love that about this medium. Now, obviously, it's a one-sided conversation in that, you know, I'm trying to talk for both of us here. <laughs> and the phone conversations are where you kind of reach back and say, yeah, you know, we're like the social media pages or, um, you know, with emails or, or however you choose to engage with us. But I do not uh, take that trust lightly. I don't ever want to betray it. And I'm so grateful that we have been able to help maybe reach into something you're going through and provide a bit of a resource. You know, when I hear the stories like we were, Dr. Michelle Bankston was on with me on Monday, for example. And her, the, her book, The Hem of His Garment, deals with chronic pain that she had been dealing with. And, and then the idea, of course, the hem of his garment, the reference to the woman with the issue of blood in scripture who is pushed up against the crowd, uh, like with everybody else is trying to get close to Jesus and her faith tells her if I can just touch the hem of his garment I'll be healed and she does and the power comes up from Jesus and he turns around and says who touched me and it's a beautiful story of healing but it shows you how powerful Jesus is to those who draw near to him and man you should have seen the calls I don't I don't know how Crystal was still standing at the end of the program just the stories were so tender and heartfelt and and, and please know that you are in our thoughts and prayers as you're wrestling with that. I mean, because it's, it's something that's major. And I, I guess you could just say, even though I don't pastor a church per se, I am ordained in the Lutheran Congregations for Mission in Mission for Christ ordination, uh, denomination. There's about 900 LCMC churches all across the country, and I have full ordination. So if one calls me to be their pastor, I can do that. But this is kind of my pulpit for right now, you know, in terms of the pastoral ministry. So it's kind of pulpit and a little bit of pastoral counseling and a little bit of Bible teaching all rolled into one. I, trust me, I take it as a tremendous honor when we ask listeners, who are your favorite Bible teachers on whatever station you're listening to, whether it's K Bright, KCBC or whatever. And they'll say things like Charles Stanley and Roger Marsh. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's really intense. Um, but may, may it continue to be a blessing and benefit to you I, I, and I don't take that lightly and this next story is one that just uh, it, it helps me to understand the gravity of the situation of those who are called into pastoral ministry and those who take that responsibility more seriously than others a former pastor in the state of Florida has been charged with uh, putting together a, uh, a racketeering ring that was stealing goods from a large retail store and then turning around and selling them online. Uh, the Florida Attorney General's office has identified um, a pastor by the name of Robert Dell, who is a pastor based in Pinellas, I think it's Pinellas or Pinellas County, uh, Florida. Uh, he's been charged with leading a quote, multi-million dollar theft ring 
Um, and it's really sad because uh, the uh, attorney general of the state of Florida is Ashley Moody. She's a so solid conservative. And even she had to say, well, this pastor clearly skipped over one key commandment, thou shalt not steal. Um, our force, task force, and force is an acrostic, uh, shut down his criminal operation, which was stealing millions of dollars of merchandise from Home Depot stores all across the state and then reselling them on eBay. Uh, apparently, uh, the, the gentleman in question here, Robert Dell, had been a pastor at a place called the Rock Church and was also a founder of a halfway house that was reserving uh, people who were recovering from drug addiction. That was in St. Petersburg. The uh, force, task force, um, and it, basically that stands for Florida Organized Retail Crime Exchange. So force, F-O-R-C-E, um, F-O-R-C-E rather. This is a something that they, they had put together for the express purpose of catching people who are doing this type of thing. Apparently, um, he, um, the former pastor, I can't really call him pastor now, worked with uh, four other accomplices and they were shoplifting items that were made by DeWalt and Milwaukee and other products that were branded products at usually sold at Home Depot stores. And by the time they were, in fact, caught the uh, haul that they had collected, they had stolen $1.4 million worth of merchandise and were trying to resell it. Now, understand, of course, that the resale business online is, um, is huge. And in many cases, it's legit. I mean, a dear friend of mine runs a, got a website that is now uh, an executive management training program. It started out as one of those, uh, you know, like the not uh, K-N-O-T uh, websites. Uh, hey girls, if you're getting married, this is the place to get all your uh, bridesmaid things and your bachelorette party things and blah, 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 blah. And it was just kind of a nice way to build a mailing list, which then you make money on by selling to other marketing advertisers. And she came across um, these, you know, the earbuds that people put in on their smartphones or back at then it was iPods. I mean, it's been a while since she did this, but she found a company, Chinese based that sold earbuds for $9.95 and they came with these little bedazzled type jewels you could put on. And she and her cohorts would put the jewels on. They'd you know get them all blinged out and then they would sell them on their website for $39.95. Now that's a perfectly legitimate business. They bought from a company that said, we will sell you these for this price. The company even recommended, they said you can get anywhere from 29 to 39 bucks. And they became so popular, she wound up on the Today Show and the Oprah Winfrey Show. And now she uh, runs a group called Chic Executives and <laughs> it was huge for her. But that's all legit. That's legitimate reselling online. What Pastor Dell was doing was not. They were stealing things from Home Depot and then reselling them. I don't know where they got the idea that stealing and then reselling was okay. Um, after the news of the charges broke, the Rock Church issued a statement clarifying that uh, Robert Dell is not pastor of Rock Church. He is not the founding pastor there either. He was the pastor when it was named Rock Community Church and Transformation Center has not been a pastor for the last two and a half years. Uh, Robert Dell was arrested on August the 1st. His bond is set for $750,000 were three charges stemming from the criminal operation involving Home Depot. In addition, um, his wife, Karen Dell, uh, was released on a $20,000 bond 
Uh, Jack Lindell was re remains in custody on a $150,000 bond. And uh, former Pastor Dell also faces two drug-related charges, including possession of cocaine. Please be very careful when somebody who says, I'm a pastor, comes up and starts hitting you up for money or asking you to do things that are illegal. That's not the way pastors operate. At the same time, though, we do know that God's grace is big enough for anybody. Uh, it, save, it can save wretches like you and me. It has saved a wretch like me, and it sounds like it saved a wretch like you as well. But there are people who will look at the grace message and say, well, this pastor doesn't deserve any grace. We, I got news for you, brothers and sisters. None of us do. But the real reason a lot of people these days are kind of turning away from the message of the gospel, quite frankly, is they just don't really trust it. They don't believe that it is as good. And they'll look at this pastor and say, see, this guy claimed to be a pastor and now he's going to jail for stealing a million and a half dollars worth of merchandise. How do we square the good news of the gospel in a culture that doesn't want to believe it? Uh, pastor Andrew Farley is going to join me on the other side of this break. Uh, this is a guy who is the pastor of a non-denominational church in the high plains of West Texas called Church Without Religion. He's also a radio broadcaster, has a program on Sirius XM, and is the author of the book called The Grace Message. And then it asks the question, is the gospel really this good? We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will be giving away a copy of this book uh, later on in the hour. So if you want to give me a call right now, get your name in on the drawing, head first. At first, you know, kind of head start, that's what I meant to say. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We talk often about the good news of the gospel message, and we talk about God's grace and God's mercy and forgiveness, and we think to ourselves, okay, well, that sounds like a great idea in theory, but the question many of us answer have to answer is, is the gospel message really that good? Well, today here on The Bottom Line, I'm joined by Andrew Farley, who's a pastor, an author, a radio host, and has a brand new book out on this subject. It's called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Andrew Farley, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. It's good to have you as well, uh, Andrew Farley, the lead pastor of the Grace Church, which is a non-denominational church on the high plains of West Texas. He's also the author of eight best-selling books, including The Naked Gospel and The Perfect You, and hosts Andrew Farley Live, which airs across uh, North America every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern. You're a busy guy, Andrew Farley. How'd you have time to write this book in the middle of pastoring and radio hosting and all that <laughs> other stuff? <laughs> Yeah, well, COVID uh, slowed some things down there for a little while, so I had lots of at-home time there, uh, right in the middle of all that. And I, I was—it uh, was great to be able to put that to good use. And uh, so this book has been two years in the making. We're excited now that it's finally released, and we can share grace with others. Okay, let's talk about grace because I have my hunch is that for many of our listeners, just like for many of our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, when it comes to grace, we really don't really understand what it means and what actually it does in our lives. So can you give us maybe a 60-second overview of grace before we get into the nuts and bolts of the book? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think grace and mercy are the same thing. I, I like to say mercy is when the police officer pulls you over for going 100 miles an hour and he says, I'm not going to give you a ticket today. That's mercy. Uh, but then grace is when he hands you a $1,000 bill and says, uh, here's a free gift. I mean, that's grace. It's It's mm. over the top. It's it's crazy. It's undeserved. Uh, but there it is. And 
So uh, in the grace message, I'm saying grace is more than God just canceling your debt. Uh, That's forgiveness, and that's wonderful. But God's more than a banker canceling your debt. He's more than a travel agent booking you for heaven. Uh, He's actually a heart surgeon as well, taking out your heart of stone, giving you a new heart, a new spirit, and his spirit. So the true grace of God is really empowering and inspiring. It's much bigger than mercy. It's more than forgiveness in heaven. I mean, it's getting right with God for free at no cost to us because it it costs Jesus everything. It's amazing, Andrew Farley, how many people, when you talk about the grace of God, the good news of the gospel, how it's impacted our lives, and yet there's still a part of us that says, yeah, but if I don't uphold the law down to the last jot and tittle, then I'm guilty of breaking all of it because that's in the Bible too. And so I got, you know, there's this kind of rules-based mentality that we still have. Yeah. And there doesn't always seem to be room for grace in that kind of mindset. How do you help people abandon the for, the former and embrace the fact that God obviously is a God of order, God, he has laws and rules, but it's sure. not the rule-based living that actually helps you find favor with him and acceptance into his kingdom. Yeah. So, you know, we grow up in school, we we study hard and they give us good grades and then we work hard at our first job and they give us a promotion. And, you know, the world tells us that it's an achieving system. And yet the gospel is a receiving system. The world says, try your hardest. And and God says, trust me. So there's trying and then there's trusting. And, you know, the world says it's all about you and what you're doing. And the gospel says, no, it's all about Jesus and, and what he did. Uh, so I think you're right that you know people think they can marry law and grace. They can put self-effort together with the grace of God, but really all they need is a heavy dose of law to see where they fall short. And I think right. 15 minutes with the law will show us the reality. I mean, Jesus said, hey, you're avoiding murder well enough, but did you know anger equals murder? And, and you're avoiding adultery well enough, but did you know that looking with lust equals adultery. So he's showing them nobody can do it. And and once you've seen the law in all of its impossible glory, then you see your need for God's grace even more. Pastor Andrew Farley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, you talk about uh, the grace component in our lives uh, and the grace message as something that really does more than just pay the debt, if you will. And it's not like we have an open tab, you know, to keep sinning and then God's going to keep covering our, you know, whatever we owe all the way through. I mean, it's literally paid in full and then washed away like it never happened, that justification part. But the new identity then. I mean, how many people do you encounter, Andrew Farley, who would say, I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian 15, 20, 30 years, and yet you can see that they're still kind of living as a quote-unquote better version of their old sinful self as opposed to a new creation in Christ? Yeah, so I I like to tell people when you really realize grace, it's going to empower you to live an upright life. I mean, Titus chapter 2 says the grace of God teaches us to say no to sin. So anybody who thinks grace is going to lead to more sinning, uh, they've got a pitiful view of God's grace. I mean, we're told again and again in Romans, for example, that sin will not master you uh, because you're under grace. And that's what the true grace message does for people. It it motivates and inspires at a a heart level. Um, So, you know, the first sin, the first sin was self-improvement. You look at it, Adam and Eve, they were 
They were offered a chance to know good and evil, and when they ate of the fruit, they were trying to do more good and do less evil. And the sales pitch was, in the day you eat of this, you'll be more like God. You'll be more godly. And so Satan caused them to be suckers for the sales pitch of self-improvement. And if we're not careful today, we can be suckers for that same sales pitch. And what the gospel says is, hey, what if, what if I've already made you right? What if I've already made you new and whole and complete and forgiven and accepted and loved so that you don't have to wake up every day and try to fix yourself? Uh, instead, you can fix your eyes on Jesus and recognize how much he actually likes you. So we got to put an end to this uh, self-improvement program. That's not what Christianity is really about. All right. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me how many people are trying to, you know, live it that way. And yet at the same time, there's also, I would imagine you've come in contact with a lot of these folks as well, people who have this kind of uh, life insurance policy version of Christian, Christianity and their Christian faith, where they expect that uh, because of God's grace, their sins are forgiven now, and there's all sorts of riches waiting for them in heaven. But in the, that dash in between when they got saved and when they're going to be with the Lord, it's just kind of muddle on through, pay your taxes, don't get in too many people's way, <laughs> you know, don't upset the apple cart, and you're really not enjoying this new covenant of which you're under. Talk about why we miss so much of our uh, what life yeah. in Christ is all about if we aren't living fully in God's grace. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's our birthright to enjoy the gospel to the fullest and enjoy life with Jesus. And yet, you're absolutely right. We can be totally forgiven and miserable. We can be the righteousness of God and holy and blameless and accepted and all of that, but yet miserable. And who wants that? So right. that's the reason that we're called to think differently and act differently. I mean, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and light, and you'll find rest for your soul. Uh, that's real. And I would say sin is hard work. Uh, you know, I don't think we're pitched sin that way. At the outset, we think, oh, the world is really having a great time. And boy, if I could just sin, then I would really enjoy it. <laughs> right. But five minutes or five days or five years into sin, uh, you start to realize, wait a minute, this is eating my lunch. There's no contentment or joy in it. And that's because God has the market cornered on true contentment. Um, he's God. He's our designer. He knows what we need. So uh, we're not fooling anybody. We absolutely just reap what we sow. And uh, the bottom line is, yeah, we're forgiven and righteous, but how about we try to find contentment and fulfillment, too? And that happens when we are trusting Jesus in every moment. Well, now you're forcing us to read Scripture, Andrew Farley. Do we really have to do that if we want to be good? I'm sorry, tongue-in-cheek, but uh, I'm thinking about all the verses, especially Philippians 4, about living contented lives, and um, that, that that's one of the things that we get to enjoy. We just don't know what the outcome is going to be, because what God has in store for us is always way better than anything we could ever ask or imagine. Pastor and author Andrew Farley, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? It's somewhat of a rhetorical question, but at the the beautiful thing about this resource is that Andrew actually an answers that question with lots of biblical truth. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. 
Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Pastor and author Andrew Farley is my guest. We're talking about his brand new book called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving away a copy of the book today at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, for your copy of pastor and author Andrew Farley's book, The Grace Message, Is the Gospel Really This Good? Uh, drop us a line right now at 800-227-5278, 5278 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. I know too many people, you do too, who find themselves in the situation where they hear about the grace of God and they say, yeah, but, yeah, I'm not so sure about that grace. I mean, it just sounds like a get out of jail free card. Think of the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense, and then you have a much better understanding of what grace really is all about. Even for a pastor who built a major retail store out of $1.4 million and then tried to sell that stuff online. That grace is sufficient for his need and it's available to him too if he'll truly repent under the power of the Holy Spirit. More of my conversation with Pastor Andrew Farley coming up next as the bottom line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process, it's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. Andrew Farley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Pastor Andrew Farley is also author Andrew Farley and radio host Andrew Farley as well. He's a triple threat uh, today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his brand new book called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? Uh, Pastor Andrew Farley is the... Uh, is the lead pastor of the Grace Church, a non-denominational church in West Texas. He is also the author of eight best-selling books. I guess we make this, is this the ninth best-selling book now? Because it looks like it's uh, doing extremely well in its first couple of weeks of release. 
Yeah, yeah, it it hit uh, the top fifty uh, among all Christian books recently, and I'm I'm thrilled about that. And uh, yeah, it's book number nine for me, nine books in ten years. So wow. I'm doing about one a year, my friend, and I I enjoy it. Well, so pastor, lead pastor of a church, hosts a week, uh, nightly radio broadcast, and has written a book every year. I got to get back to the gym or do something because uh, <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping pace with that. The book is called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? And uh, Andrew, you and I were talking during the break about one of the aspects of grace that is kind of the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room or hiding in plain sight, and that is the fact that a lot of people will believe that the grace of God has, uh, we, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and yet there will be a judgment, there will be you know, an accounting for our sins, mm -hmm. and maybe... Well, I, I can't bring myself to say it, but this is what a lot of people would believe, that we want to make sure that grace really is enough, that it really is sufficient, so, you know, that we won't, there won't be any surprises yeah. on Judgment Day. Talk about that. Yeah, so I think the big misconception is that somehow our sins are still going to be lingering on Judgment Day, that, you know, somehow God wasn't quite being truthful with us when he said, I'll remember your sins no more. I've removed them as far as the East is from the West. I keep no record of your wrongs. I don't take your sins into account. I mean, I would just ask, how many ways does God need to say this for us to agree with him that it is finished, as Jesus himself said on the cross? It's over. It's done. Your sin record is obliterated. So, Christians are not going to be judged for our sins. The whole point is Jesus took that judgment, and the verdict was guilty, and the punishment was death. The wages of sin is death, and there are no more wages. So somebody says, well, okay, then if I'm not going to be judged for my sins, then why would I even care about behavior? And I think now we're back to, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me that sin is actually more fulfilling than Jesus? And I would say uh, anybody who thinks that is in a delusion, because when you've got a creator and you're the creation, and you've got a designer and you're the design, then of course that God really knows what makes you tick and what fulfills you and what you're created for. So the the reason we engage in upright living is because we're new creations and we've got a new heart and we've got new desires. And, you know, I'm allergic to eggs. And anytime I eat eggs, my whole system goes into shock. Oh, no. I would say we Christians, yeah, we Christians are allergic to sin. And, you know, that's what Paul meant when he said you're dead to sin and alive to God. That's like saying you're allergic to sin and you're addicted to Jesus and nothing else will satisfy. Hmm. Well, that, that when you put it in those terms, Andrew Farley, I mean the the alert, the allergy and the allergic reaction, or there are certain things I think as we get older that you put into your body you can't eat necessarily, or you need to make sure you take a yeah. better care with your sinuses or you know, breathing or whatever it is. Uh, those are things that we do naturally, and we don't even think twice about it. But you know, God has given us by His grace the ability to say, "Hey, look, okay, this is the deal." The evidence that you are a new creation is that you will turn away from, you know, that whole, that whole thing about repentance. And, yeah. and, and how many people will say, I believe in the, the grace, I think it was it's John Chris, the comedian, say, boy, when you talk about being washed in the blood of the lamb, most people say, well, I'm going to sue because I don't want that stuff getting on me. You know, I'm just run, run away from it. You know, <laughs> call, call an ambulance or something. But 
But we, what we begin to understand these other concepts, these other aspects of our spiritual life, when we understand what grace is. And uh, do you have any way, I mean, I had a pastor when I was younger, he used to say, when you want to think about grace, think of God's riches at Christ's expense, you know, use that acrostic and see if that helps. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there, uh, is there something that, that holds people back that in the grace message you, you actually put forward to say, hey, you know what, the reason that I want you to remember God's grace is so good, the gospel really is as good as this? Yeah. So I, I would say grace means everything is free. Everything you ever dreamed of having with God, um, you know, being right with Him and being close to Him. We keep hearing in the religious world, you got to get closer to God. And then you say, well, how do I do that? And they say, well, if you spend 10 more hours in the Bible and go to church mm -hmm. 15 more times and share your faith 100 more times, then you'll be closer. And we imagine ourselves kind of getting closer, inching a little bit closer and closer to God every day. And that, that's not really the relationship that we have. I mean, in the grace message, I'm saying, look what God did on day one, moment one that you were saved. He, he gave you that vine and branches relationship. He made you one spirit with the Lord, you and him and him and you. So yes, you're learning and yes, you're growing and nobody knows it all. And we're all in a process and it's an adventure and it takes time and truth and time and truth. So yes, let's fuel up on God's word and let's get together for church services and all that. But let's recognize that none of those things gave us this closeness that we have. It's a free gift, and that's what grace is. Grace is everything you ever needed from God, absolutely free, because Jesus paid for it. I'm kind of a word geek, Andrew Farley. We're just getting to know each other, so you wouldn't have known that, but our listeners are going, there he goes again. I really like digging into the origins, whether it's in the Hebrew or the Greek or you know whatever we see in Scripture to help us get a better understanding. Give us a good definition of grace. We see it in the New Testament a lot, so maybe a, a Greek definition, if you would, in terms of, and help us to understand the word grace in English, I think to us, sometimes gets watered down and lost in the same way that word like love, you know, gets, we don't, we don't get the full value of it just by saying the word love. Help us understand how mm -hmm. it's used in scripture and why we may be missing some of the the richer parts of God's grace simply because we just kind of think of grace as something where I either just let you get away with something or it's something we say before a meal. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, uh, obviously the, the Greek word charis, it's where we get charismatic, and the reason we use that term is because it relates to the gifts, and so grace is a gift. Grace means gift, and when you—I'm uh, going to amp it up a little bit here, my friend, because actually three times in the New Testament— uh, there's a prefix uh, before these descriptions of God's grace, and the prefix is hyper. Right. And I know people are, have thrown stones at hyper grace. They they use hyper grace almost as a derogatory term in some cases. But when you crack open God's word, He is saying that it's overabundant. I mean, Romans five twenty. Uh, is this uh, hyper prefix appears to say God's grace overabounded, and then Ephesians two seven, this uh, Greek prefix hyper shows up. God's grace surpasses and exceeds expectations, and then in First Timothy one fourteen, hyper shows up again, and it it means that God's grace was in surpassing abundance. So three different times, God actually uses this prefix hyper. 
to say, hey, look at this grace. It's ginormous. It's grace upon grace. So I think we should be hyper about God's grace. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a great way to remember it and describe it, because how many people, I mean, I could, I, when you said that, that prefix, uh, Pastor Andrew Farley, I immediately started thinking about the people who are dancing around the church and throwing themselves on the floor, and, you know, they're so super excited, right. they're kind of hyper, and I'm not that kind of, I mean, I'm really more of an outgoing introvert as opposed to, you know, someone who's given to that type of stuff. But when you begin to realize what God's grace does for us and the fact that it really does surpass abundance in our lives, it really does, you know, it's, it, mm-hmm. it is more than we could ever ask or imagine. Uh, it's amazing to me how many people say, well, I had this vision, I had this dream. And I'm like, well, you didn't have it. God gave it to you by his grace, because there's mm-hmm. no way we can have those kinds of dreams. We've got 60 seconds left in our conversation with Pastor Andrew Farley today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called The Grace Message, Is the Gospel Really This Good? And there's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you know we're going to be giving away a copy at the end of this conversation. Uh, Andrew, as we are here in the Lenten season, talk about the meaning of grace, why it's so significant now as we think about the work that Jesus did on the cross, and how we can do kind of a spiritual gut check to make sure that we really are living according to God's grace as opposed to what we think God wants us to do and act and say, which is a little more legalistic. Yeah. So, you know, Hebrews 12 says it's important not to miss God's grace and then we're told to stand in God's grace and stand firm in it and be strong in it. Second uh, Peter 3 says we grow in God's grace. Um, so even First Peter, it says, set your hope completely on God's grace. So this is not a trendy movement. It's not a special focus. Um, the gospel is actually called the gospel of God's grace. This is the very core, the very root of Christianity. It's what separates us from world religions that are engaging in self-improvement. Anybody can have a rule book and try their hardest, but Christianity is not about rules. It's about letting Christ rule in our hearts by faith, and that's what, what makes it such a beautiful adventure. The Grace Message, Is the Gospel Really This Good? is the brand new book by Andrew Farley. And uh, the, of course, the answer to that is yes, but you won't know how good until you actually read this resource. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the book. I mean, I can't imagine that we won't be having this conversation every year now, now that we know how prolific an author you are and how you can manage your pastoral ministries and your broadcast duties as well and doing this. Thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Oh, it was so fun. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What a great conversation with pastor and author Andrew Farley today here on The Bottom Line. The book, again, is called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? The book is linked at thebottomlineshow.com, and we are giving away one copy of the book today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, grace is the word that we have heard ever since we started in our walk of faith, right? You know, it's by grace you have been saved and not of your works so that no one could boast. You know, I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that grace really mean? Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, when you talk about grace, it it literally, (laughs) it raises eyebrows, okay? I mean, it gets people to uh, take a look at your relationship with the Lord. And for people to say, man, I remember you and you used to be a real, you know, you know what? And you could say, I know, right? But now look at me. Why is this? Because of the grace of God. And that grace really does change everything. Is the gospel, is the good news, I should say, really that good? 
Uh, Andrew Farley makes a very compelling case for why it is in his brand new book called The Grace Message. Is the gospel really this good? And if you are new to the faith or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while and the more you walk with him, the more you begin to realize how great this good news is. Oh my, uh, this is a book for you. We only have one copy, unfortunately, so ring me up right now. 800-227-5278. We'll place a copy in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, grace is something that all of us need to live our lives for the Lord. But now it's becoming more and more a matter of how can we graciously love people who aren't just mildly against our faith in Christ, but they're bitterly opposed to it, even to the point of wanting to take us to court. Our friends at the American Center for Law and Justice are currently working on a case in Missouri. And we're going to take a look at the nuts and bolts of this on the other side of this break. If you listen to Secular Live here on all of our bottom line show affiliates all across the Western United States, you've heard Jay and the team talking about this, especially Abigail Sutherland, who's handling this case for ACLJ. But have we gotten to the point now where elderly people in a senior center wanting to hold a Bible study could now face criminal prosecution? Let's find out what's going on coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Andrew Farley for joining me for the past half hour here on the Bottom Line Show. The book, The Grace Message, Is the Gospel Really This Good? is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as I mentioned earlier, we're giving away a copy today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I, I love our friends at American Center for Law and Justice, the Seculo program, which airs every weekday here in Southern California. It's every weekday morning from 11 a.m. to noon. And then again, that's on K-Bright, our flagship station for the bottom line show uh, in Southern California. And then there's a one-hour full rebroadcast on our AM sister station, uh, AM 1240, K-Bright in San Diego. Uh, they catch the first half hour of... Uh, of uh, ACLJ. And then, of course, all of our different affiliates carry some way, shape, or form of uh, Jay Seculo and the uh, Seculo program. The American Center for Law and Justice does a lot of stuff on the political side with regard to, um, you know, cases involving, uh, well, Jay Seculo was President Trump's personal attorney for four years. I mean, they, they're always talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill. But every now and again, it's nice to be reminded that the American Center for Law and Justice also does a variety of work on behalf of religious liberty for common folk just like you and me. And they've got a case right now that's really just, it's mind-boggling to me, and yet it's just a sign of the times. It's a reminder of where we are as Christians in this culture. You've heard me use this phrase before, and I'm going to use it again. If you were born in the United States of America and you find yourself in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, that describes a lot of people who listen to The Bottom Line Show and are... Uh, other affiliates as well. You grew up in an America that's in God we trust on our currency, and God and country is, of course, the, the Crawford Broadcasting positioning statement, as we call it, but people believe we're a nation founded on biblical principles. I am quick to point out, as much as I would like to think that America is a Christian nation, and I would get into arguments with people like Jenna Ellis and others who would say, yes, it is, it most certainly is, God ordained this nation. You know, I mean, the, the, the uh, English crown also believes that God ordained that everything that they did was good and pure and righteous and holy. And well, I mean, that's not exactly the case there. 
I do believe that America was founded on biblical principles. There's no question about it. When the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all of us are born with certain inalienable rights endowed by our creator, and those rights include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that sounds like a biblical foundation to me. When you read the Ten Commandments from the Holy Bible and you see thou shalt not kill, or excuse me, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, uh, bear false witness, etc., etc., that, that's woven into the fabric of American law. No question. However, at the same time, I don't know how many times I've used this expression with guests on the Bottom Line Show and they all resonate with it. The tendency has always been for us to think that as Christians, we were born in America and therefore uh, we're Americans and we're Christians. They just kind of go hand in glove. Why would anyone come to America and not want to be a Christian? Well, the reality is America has religious liberty. That's part of the First Amendment. You know, that life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We have freedom to associate, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And all three of those, that little triumvirate, kind of keeps us going. Again, under their Christian reference, the fact that I think God, being a triune God, likes trinities. You know, those are the, the most effective ways to learn and remember things. As a matter of fact, uh, my dad used to say, when you're teaching children a children's song, most children's songs are in 3-4. And I asked him, why 3-4 instead of 4-4? Four, four? And he said, well, kids are impatient. You know, they don't want to w wait one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. One, two, three gets them to the next verse quicker. And I thought, well, that's, that's brilliant. It makes a lot of sense. But our triune God, uh, you know, endowed these rights to us. And the founding fathers acknowledged this when they wrote the Declaration. They didn't get it all right with the Constitution. But the idea was that we have rights because God gives us rights, not because the government gives us rights. That was the big dividing line in setting things up. Fast forward to June of 2023, and a senior center in Missouri is the center of controversy, hot button of controversy. Why, you ask? Because a group of residents in said senior center were offended by another group of residents in that senior center who decided that they wanted to start a weekly Bible study. As a matter of fact, the Bible study had already not only begun, but been in operation for several months without issue, quoting the uh, litigation team for the American Center for Law and Justice. Apparently, the client in the case here said that they were forced to stop because, quote, some residents were purportedly offended by the Bible study. Management of the senior home also claimed that the study was not allowed since the center was a federally funded building and Bible studies are prohibited under Federal Housing Association guidelines. Now, here's the problem with what happens in cases like this. Abigail Sutherland is senior litigation counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. She is handling this case. And when she was presented with the legal challenge to the Bible study group, telling them that they needed to stop, basically the resident contacted the American Center for Law and Justice and the, who said, hey, these people are shutting down our Bible study because they said we're violating federal law. So ACLG sent a, a demand letter to the senior home and they helped them a little bit. Um, According to Abigail Sutherland, the idea that the senior center could not hold Bible studies because FHA guidelines prohibited it because the senior center was a federally funded building 
I'm quoting Abigail Sutherland now. This is literally the exact opposite of the law. I, I'm only chuckling, not because, I mean, I, I would, uh, my parents are in a facility, a uh, great uh, senior facility where they have Bible studies. Oh my goodness. I mean, they've got a pastor who lives three doors down and he preaches a sermon every uh, Thursday afternoon. He does it for his adult children across the country and they pick up the YouTube feed and they send it all over the, the second floor of their building. But the idea that somebody at this senior home heard a complaint from a resident and said, well, you know, if we get any kind of federal funding, that means we're not allowed to have a Bible study, doesn't understand the Constitution. It's some something that's, it's almost laughable. It's kind of sad. And at the same time, it's tragic and it's a cautionary tale for us. Let's take a look at what it really means and how we can avoid this type of thing from causing even more confusion. We'll talk about this in just a moment as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Senior home, senior facility, I won't go so far as to call it a nursing home. Uh, basically, the idea uh, that somebody complained about a Bible study being held at the nursing home and the nursing home operator saying, well, you know, we do get federal funding and uh, this building has some kind of connection to the federal government. So therefore, uh, we're violating FHA guidelines. They can't have the uh, Bible study and they force them to close it down. So when the resident who was leading the Bible study reached out to the American Center for Law and Justice, Abigail Sutherland, who is a senior counsel in the litigation department for ACLJ, (laughs) reached back and said, "Uh, by the way, that's exactly the opposite of what the law says. Here's the guideline of what the federal law does allow, what the Constitution, what federal laws do as it pertains to freedom of religion. This is one of those cases where, quite frankly, a lot of people just don't understand. And then here comes that big look at my thumb. Uh, back in 2008, there was a case in Chicago. A condo association was violating the rights of Jewish homeowners because they refused, refused to allow them to have a religious item on the exterior of the doorpost. Sounds like a mezuzah to me. Um, it's interesting because uh, when the ACLJ wrote to the nursing home facility operators, they said not only does the FHA allow Bible studies on federally funded property, it also expressly, expressly prohibits discrimination on the basis of religion in regard to providing facility services. 
Every time you hear of a public school saying, hey, we're going to open up a prayer room for the Muslim students and they can pray to Mecca five times a day or whatever they need to do during school hours, and the left wings cheer. But then a group of elderly Christians want to have a Bible study. Chances are there might be three or 400 people who live in this facility and 10 people want to have a Bible study. Shouldn't they be allowed to have the Bible study? Um, Abigail Sutherland said, if the senior living complex does not quickly reverse the course for their client, we're going to file a federal lawsuit to protect their religious liberty. There was a couple in Virginia back in January 2020, you might recall, who were threatened with eviction from their retirement home if they continue to hold Bible studies in their room. They won the right to resume holding those studies. Um, They actually continued to hold Bible classes and they moved into a community room where they also did movie screenings. There was a Florida woman in 2020 who filed a complaint after her HOA barred her from continuing to host a Bible study in the social room of her own complex. She later reached a settlement allowing her to carry on with the study. But here's the key. This is the phrase I use often. Just think of it this way. When your favorite team goes to another stadium to play the, other, the opposing team, they're still playing the same game. It's just a tougher crowd because it's an away game. Home games are the like in baseball. The Angels play at Angel Stadium, Vanaheim. Padres play at Petco Park. Dodgers play at Dodger Stadium. Um, Giants play at AT&T. Oakland plays in Las Vegas <laughs> in a couple years. Those are all home games for them. 81 of their 162-game schedule, home games. But doesn't mean the win, losing or the visiting team can't win. As a matter of fact, was it in the 2019 World Series? If I remember correctly, the visiting team won every game. And having been to Minute Maid Park a couple of times where the Houston Astros play, to think of my own beloved Howie Kendrick, who used to play for the Angels and was playing for the Washington Nationals at the time, hitting that home run in the top of the seventh to give the Nationals a 3-2 lead and eventually victory. And hearing that ball, you could hear a pin drop. I was listening to it on the radio. Hearing that ball hit the foul pole and then hearing Howie is the only guy in the stadium going, yeah, around the corner. That's what it's like for us, brothers and sisters. That is the world that we are living in right now. Don't expect the world to applaud you for being such a great Christian. Don't expect the world to applaud the wonderful deeds you do, but please know that that applause for your faithfulness will come in the form of a crown of righteousness when you enter into heaven. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day and Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Coming up next, for those who remain on the network, it's the National Crawford Roundtable podcast right here as the bottom line continues in a moment.